Learn the ins and outs of recruiting on today's show. On today's show, we've got Mr. Drew Cameron getting into his presentation on recruiting for results. Take it away, Drew. But let's go ahead and get started on recruiting for riches. Now, the idea here is, uh, again, you might be in HVAC, you might be in plumbing, solar, electrical, whatever. Uh, you know, we are really obviously, you know, mostly an HVAC organization at this point, but we have all those tools and resources for plumbing, electrical, solar, uh, indoor air quality, and uh, are always expanding the platform. But let's talk about how are we going to focus on what the majority of our members are looking for, which is to ignite their uh, you know, their team and grow their base within their organization and recruit that next generation. Now, here's what I find in my travels. I've been uh, in this industry for 44 years, started at the age of 12. I'm 56 years old. And what I can tell you is after getting out of college in 1990 and diving into the business side of the business, because I was in the operations side of the business prior to that, what I can tell you is since 1990, after graduating college, what I've learned and heard, uh, you know, for all these years since is that finding good people is a challenge. And, and so I'm going to just ask you a handful of questions about, you know, what are your true feelings about recruiting? Because this is what I hear uh, at events and on uh, coaching calls that I offer. But I always ask the question, who struggles to attract good people? Every hand in the room typically goes up when I do an event where I talk about this. And who is great at recruiting? Nobody feels that they're great at recruiting. In fact, you know, you find it to be a necessary evil as most business owners did uh, do. Who loves the recruiting process? No one does. It's why you tend to avoid it and why you stink at it. It's why you also don't have the team that you want because you haven't figured out a methodology and an approach to do it in a meaningful way, in a sustainable way that is good for yourself and your business. Okay, why do contractors feel this way? Well, again, many reasons because you haven't structured the process and don't have the tools in place and don't know you know, the, the, the best in class practices and, and websites and, and tools and processes available to you. Again, we provide that for you at EGIA. And the reason is the whole answer is, like I said, you lack an effective and efficient and consistent process, tools and resources. And what I'm always about is bringing more value in the tools and resources and processes that we provide. And that's what we do at EGIA as well. So what are the dire straits? Let's just face reality. Demand for HVAC techs has been growing and growing in leaps and bounds. This was a, a stat that was published about a year and a half ago. And I would say that this number, this 21%, uh, the need for techs will grow probably has increased since then. Because when we got deemed a, a, an essential services industry out there, I mean, contractors nationwide were having record banner years. And so I think this number has gone up. No one's done another study since, but as you can see, it's going to grow up and it's getting tougher. In the next seven years, we're going to need one new tech for every five that are working now. It is actually has been the hardest position to fill in the last, you know, for the last seven years in most HVAC companies. Um, you know, this is double the growth rate for all their job opportunities in the United States. And I don't know that we have a short, shortage of, of people coming into the industry as much as we may have an overage of bad companies and poorly run companies. And what you're seeing nowadays uh, is this wild run of about at least 30 private equity and venture capital companies out there doing acquisitions and paying multiples of about 15 times earnings uh, before taxes uh, because they, they're finding what we can do is we can, you know, uh, gobble up these smaller companies and assimilate in internal services. And all we really need is technicians that we can grow and scale because that's the other side of this. Unfortunately, some of these technicians that 
uh, you know, are employed by other companies, they may not be exactly what you need. In fact, maybe many of them you actually interview, inter interviewed and didn't hire them for some reason, but they went out and they got some level of experience. The problem is they're not getting the ongoing training and support that they need. And that's where you can come in and rescue them. And I'm going to share with you some resources and the, uh, they're going to be available for you to do that going forward. But I don't know that, you know, there is a combination, like I say, of the shortage of technicians, but there's just too many HVAC, HVAC contractors. In fact, at EGIA, we have a foundation and we give away 20 scholarships every year to people coming into the trades um, to go to a trade school. And when I read a lot of those applications in this last go around, in which we gave out uh, 20, uh, actually only gave out 15 uh, scholarships because <laughs> Of all the people that even applied, there weren't all that all that many that were qualified. But even those that did apply, of the 50 or so applications and resumes that I read, uh, you'd be amazed as to how many of them said they wanted to join an HVAC company like yourself and within three years start their own business. And they all thought they would be millionaires by the time they were 30. All right. Now, kind of makes you laugh a little bit, but uh, not saying that that's not possible, but the aspirations of this generation are laudable. Uh, to say the least. So techs also are retiring faster than any of the new ones are coming on, on board. The average plumber is 56 years old. And by 2026, we're going to, uh, 138,000 plumbers uh, will have retired and 75,000 uh, more uh, will be needed. So with techs retiring, that industry knowledge and expertise is lost, not just the, the workforce, but that knowledge and expertise is lost. And that's where I'm going to challenge you when, when you see somebody who's thinking about retiring from the industry, could you, you know, reposition them on your team? Could they be that knowledge source that basically trains your workforce? And, and we'll, we'll talk about some, uh, some ideas on how to do that a little bit later as well, right? Our industry is also horrible at marketing great opportunities. I mean, contractors are not great at marketing their own products and services, which is why they have shoulder seasons and struggle to stay busy year round and make profits year round because there shouldn't be a month in your business in which you lose money. Um, but we know many contractors do and the average contractor makes anywhere between two to, to 5% net profit um, max when most contractors should be making 15 to 20%. The problem is, is that we're not good at marketing in this industry. And so if we're not good at marketing for our products and services, what, what, what makes us think that we're good for marketing for the opportunities that we have to come into this industry? So we'll talk about that a little bit today as well and how to get that message out right. Less than 2% of the women uh, in every trade skill. So th there's a lot of women out there nationwide, right? I mean, if half the population's men, and half the population's you know, women, uh, male or female, as you, as you will, um, we have less than 2% in all the skills that are available out there, all the skilled trades that are out there. That, that's a crime, that's on us, uh, that, you know, that this industry has stayed uh, male-oriented as long as it has. We've got to find a way to appeal and pull women into this industry um, because you know we need we need them and can give them great opportunities to grow and, and evolve and build their family and life. So 60% of small businesses are hiring and 90% of them will always report a lack of talent. Well, I, I would agree with you. That, uh, lack, of, you know, talking about the lack of talent. The lack of talent is pervasive in, uh, that's out there. And if you're trying to go ahead and find talent stuff, you know, that is already skilled players. Okay, you're, you're, you're making a mistake. You're basically wasting your time. You're, you're smoking the hopium because again, you're not gonna find what you need looking for that. Th those are few and far between. So we'll talk about how to address that as well, right? And lastly, you know, uh, when the unemployment rate was as low as 4%, um, and that's obviously would be ideal, you know, it was you know, prior to COVID, 
it was probably in that three to four range. Uh, the mindset that I have is, is, it the, is the unemployment rate 4% is that, or is that the unemployable rate? In fact, you know, I would say that there's many of those people in that 4% that are not employable. In fact, there's probably pe people that are employed that aren't employable and shouldn't be employed or are, or are wrongly allocated and employed. And so I want to kind of keep that in mind as well. We're going to have to do a better job of being more appealing to pull people into this industry. And I'm going to share with you some ideas and tools and resources about how to do that. The harsh reality of it is, is if you're having trouble, trouble attracting good people, it's probably because your company is unremarkable. I'm not trying to take a shot at you. you. You know, you're pretty proud of yourself. You got a good ego. Most contractors do have a good ego. It's what puts you into business, but you're in business by default, not by design. I just did a leadership class last week out in Denver for EGIA, two-day leadership class. We had about 30 contractors there. And um, what I basically said to them is the same exact thing, is that they're unremarkable. Why are you unremarkable? Most of you don't have a vision, mission, purpose statement, and core values that defines your culture of your organization. And so you're unremarkable because you're in business by default, not by design. At EGIA, we're going to teach you how to get into business by design and not by default. We can reverse engineer what you've built thus far, which is great, and I applaud you for your efforts. But again, much like my father, same thing. And when we basically got into business by design, that's when we were able to grow and scale basically at a hockey stick, hockey stick rate and get those profits, those net profits from 8% to 22% net profit. And then we were very fortunate to sell our business in 1996. You know, and my dad took a lot of money and retired to Florida. I'm here with you today. So uh, no regrets. I got the you know, gift of a great education, which I'm hopefully sharing with you guys. So that being said, you need to be remarkable where it counts in winning the minds of the people, not just the candidates, right? And certainly not your mind. This is not about you. It's about them. It's about the people that are out there and the message we got to get into the, to the community's mind, not just the target people that we're looking for, but the mind of the community, everybody out there. I don't want to just go after the people that I'm looking for. That's a small subset. I want to win the hearts and minds of everybody within my community. Either you're going to come to work for us or we're going to do work for you is kind of my mindset, right? And that's the message that you have to have is that we are, you know, we are a great opportunity for you either to take care of your family or, or you, to have you part of our family. So think about that. Be remarkable, right? Our core mission for long-term long sustainability and success is simply based on what I like to say, you know, and echoing Simon Sinek, is that you don't hire for skills, you hire for attitude. You can always teach the skills. I'm going to give you a, a huge multi-page list of the schools that are available for you to get your people trained and get them the skills that they need. You're going to have to think about growing your people because we're bringing in people from outside the industry. I don't know that you want the people from inside the industry. They got a lot of bad habits and a you know, create a lot of headache and heartache for you. They're probably, if they're, and if they're unemployed, odds are they created headache and heartache for their previous employer. That's the only reason that they're available, right? So long-term sustainability comes from you building your team based on your culture, vision, mission, purpose statement, core values, and those foundational pillars of your organization. So you need to stop fishing for talent and start hunting for attitude and potential performance, not the skills. That's going to allow you to basically start fishing in a larger pool, probably by yourself, right? Because all of the people that are in the trades are all fishing for the same people, right? Those unicorns that are out there. Well, again, good luck finding the unicorns. So let's go ahead and fish in a bigger pond and where we're fishing by ourselves and we're having a different message. I'm going to talk to you about how to do that today. Recruiting is a full-time job. 
This is a full-time job within your organization. It is, as, as you'll learn, 33% of your job as owners and managers, uh, as far as the leadership team within your organization. You might think about hiring a dedicated person, okay, or outsourcing it and partnering with a third-party organization to do the recruiting on an ongoing basis, not just when you have a need. Because when you have to hire badly, you'll probably hire badly, right? Because need is never a good time to be hiring. You should be building a, a, a network that you can tap into if and when you have a need, have that opportunity. And always put somebody onto the team before you have the need. Because innovation will come for, from, from that need. You will find a way to keep people busy. Everybody's worried about, well, if I bring somebody on, how will I keep them busy? That's the wrong mindset. That is a scarcity mindset. The abundance mindset says, I'm going to put people on my team and then I'm forced to feed them. I will find a way to keep everybody gainfully employed and fed on my team. I want to change the way you think. Hack into your brain there a little bit. All right. And you need to have a planned, proactive approach to this. Yes, you have to have a short-term execution when you have an immediate need. But what we're going to teach you a little bit about today is the long-term strategy. I understand you guys all have needs today. So I'm going to give you some ideas and tools and techniques today. So I'm going to focus on six action items today and give you some slide content that addresses each. Number one, action item number one, take a leadership position. You need to be a leader within your community, a pillar within your community. And as an owner or manager of your company or your department, you need to take a leadership position on this. There's a great book out there by Jim Collins called Good to Great, right? And basically what it talks about is having the right people on the bus, the wrong people off the bus, the right people on the bus, sitting in the right seats, doing the right things the right way at the right time, right? And so just because you have a job doesn't mean you get to keep your job. You have to earn your job every day, especially if you're a family member to the owner, right? I fired my older brother twice. He deserved it, okay? And he also deserved to get his job back. And when he came back the second time, that's when we learned how to understand what it meant to be a true professional. And he went on to have an amazing career. Unfortunately, I did lose him a couple of years ago. But uh, what I can tell you about this was he was a titan of this industry. And at his funeral, when people came through the procession, they said he was a leader in our company. We wouldn't be where we were if he hadn't shown up. I, we had, we had uh, husbands and wives coming up to us telling us that you know, we got, I got my husband back. I got my wife back because of what your brother taught me as to how to be a leader within myself. See, everybody can be a leader. Being a manager doesn't make you a leader. Being the owner doesn't make you a, a leader. Being a leader is a choice. And that's what I talked about last week in Denver is leadership is a choice. And it's not something that you declare. It's something that you demonstrate. And when you demonstrate leadership, okay, People are inspired and they aspire to believe what you believe and get in alignment with you. So that's why I want you to take a leadership position in order to get the right people on the bus. Most of you are business operators. You have a very expensive job. I need you to shift from being a business operator into a business owner. But you have to realize that as a business owner recruiting or as a business leader, that this is 33% of your job. And so we have some small companies here where the owner is doing a lot of different things, wearing a lot of different hats, a lot of different roles. That's fine. And we have some mega companies on here, probably doing 50 million plus and have departments and departmental managers, departmental directors. That's fine too. But recruiting is leadership's job. It's 33% of your job. You're always recruiting. You're always placing markers out there. 
always building that business. Management becomes ineffective because of poor recruiting and onboarding. Your, your job is as challenging as it is because of the people that you brought on your, onto your team. You need to learn to recruit relentlessly and continuously, okay? Elicit the, uh, everyone in your network, okay? And in their network. This is not just your job as owners and managers and leaders within your organization. This is the job of everybody on your team. Everybody on your team has a, a huge network. People that you know, they affiliate with through their kids' schools through their significant other's uh, you know, place of employment, through uh, their place of worship, through what they do socially, through what they have to you know, do to get through life with maybe a, an accountant or a lawyer or a dentist or a doctor. Right? We need to work that whole network. Y'all live in neighborhoods. When you're, when you're looking for, for people to work for you, you should all have lawn signs out in front of your house, uh, you know, looking to hire people because people are going to drive by your house and see that you know, your company's hiring and place those signs everywhere. Talk about it openly everywhere you go. Talk about the kind of people that you're looking for. If you know anybody, who do you know? And again, giving out these cards. If you're not going through at least a thousand business cards as managers and owners in your company every year, okay? And I understand you can do them virtually now, but virtual cards are harder to pass on. Um, you might think that it's easier, but it's, it's easier when someone has something in their hand to give to somebody. And, and so I like that, that, you know, that concept, especially if you, may, if you put a bounty on that, that business card. But talk to everybody that you know openly about what you're looking for and who you're looking for. Your goal should be that when you look around your company, if you're not happy with some of the people on your team this year, you got no further look than the mirror. So you got a year to make this right. Either get the people on your team you know, uh, equipped and, uh, and skilled at the level that you want or get them off your team. Because at the end of the day, that's what you have to decide, okay? Either to grow your people or cut them. You don't keep making excuses for mediocrity, okay? You've got to call the herd every so often. And so within 12 months of today, if you're not happy with everybody on your team, again, you got no further look than the mirror. And that should be a mission. We made that a mission in our business in 1994. And we got rid of you know, two of my dad's first uh, uh, employees and a third one who had been with us for 10 years because we had to. And when we cut down those tall trees that were throwing shade all over our other employees, you'd be surprised as to how many people stepped up. And the net effect was that we went well beyond the limitations that those other people had that we told ourselves a story. They were the most important people on our team. And they were actually the point of ch the choke point within our organization. They were the point of limitation within our organization. So action item number two, become the most sought after employment, uh, place of employment in town. That's what you need to be. I'm not talking the most sought after contractor place of employment. I'm talking the best place to work in your town. Okay, when it comes to doctors and lawyers and other service provide other types of service providers, grocery stores, you know, Amazon, whomever is in your area. You need to become the best in class company in town because company culture is what defines everything. 76% of HVAC applicants believe the company culture is a high priority. And yet most contractors are in business by default, not by design. In fact, most contractors, as I said, don't have a vision, mission, purpose statement, and core, set of core values. You have a culture, it's just not one that you've defined and not one that's basically attractive to people who are looking for a job. Culture beats everything. Culture beats talent, right? I mean, I don't know if you saw the game last night, but the Patriots knocked off the Buffalo Bills. Buffalo Bills, 
you know, early on were projected to be, you know, headed to the Super Bowl. I'm not saying that they're not, but how is it that last year when the Patriots was, were as bad as they were, that they're as good as they are this year? It's culture. Everybody said, well, the reason when Brady left, okay, it wasn't Belichick, it was Brady. Okay, because Brady went to a talented team already, and he took his mindset and his culture with him, and he made an impact down there. That left a, a talent void, okay, but not a culture void in New England. They filled the, cult, the talent void with Matt Jones. But the idea was, in the culture, he does not get to start last year. So they brought in Cam Newton, and he was not great. But the, the backup quarterback got to learn what it meant to be a true professional by watching you know, how, how one goes about it and got to see how the offense could execute. And then, okay, could take his leadership role, and that culture is now, is now winning. All right? So the question you have to ask yourself is, you know, are the people, maybe you, okay, leaders on your team, jerks, right? People quit people. They don't quit companies. So if people are leaving your organization and you can't get people or retain people, it's probably because of the, your, of the people that are part of your team. It isn't your company and it isn't 50 cents or a dollar or $2 more an hour. It's the people. People quit people, okay? So what is the mission of your organization? Do you have one? How do you define it? What is the company? Why? Okay, is it purposeful and is it clearly stated and communicated? Why are you in business? And it's not to make money and it's not to do heating and air conditioning. Okay, one is what you do. The other is a result of what you do. What is the reason that you exist? If you don't understand that, then again, you need to get in to one of the classes where we talk about vision, mission, and core values. People want to basically associate and work with people who believe what they believe. Now today, more than ever, Gen Z and millennials want to be a part of something that they believe in not just work that they can do. Work to millennials and Gen Zs is a concept. It's not even a place in many cases anymore. It's a thing that I do when I do it to make money and make an impact, okay? They would actually much rather volunteer than work past five o'clock. So they will work their eight hours, leave, and go, get, and go do something for free where they volunteer and not get paid. It's a different mindset. It's a different mentality. They don't have the work ethic that maybe you think that they should have, but they have a, they have a life ethic. It's different and it's healthier in many cases, okay? Does each coworker know what their role and impact is in the mission? If you don't have an organizational structure, and I'm not talking a chart with names on it, I'm talking a chart with positions on it, roles, and then the names are within those boxes, like I said, where many of you might be wearing multiple hats. If a person doesn't know what their role is and then the impact that they can have not only in the company, but also in the community, then what are, you know, what are they part of? They're not part of a mission, they have a job. And it's got to be bigger than the money and, and, and those lucrative opportunities that you think that you offer. Because people want to be a part of a movement nowadays, right? So create, uh, create career paths that lead to a future. When I get hired by you, I should know where I can go within the organization at some point. There's no promises, there's no guarantees, and that's okay. But if you don't let me know where I can go, then I might just go. Or I might never join. You have to let me know where I can go. The military does a great job of this. There are patterns of the success and greatness out there everywhere around you, and we're not following them in this industry. And, and then we question the people. It's us. It's on us. It always has been on us. Okay? Are your vehicles, facilities, and work environment world-class? Okay? What will my life be like in, in the day-to-day, -day, you know, my life experience be like, you know, working for you daily? You know, do I come into a clean environment? Is it organized? 
you know, or is it chaos? Do you offer more value uh, to coworkers, customers in the community than anybody else would dare consider? I always say, everybody can answer the first question. What can you do? Most people can answer the second, uh, second question. What else can you do? Most people wouldn't think to ask the next question. What's the most extraordinary thing that you could do? What's the most extraordinary things that you could do for your coworkers who are your most valuable asset? Your customers are not your most valuable assets. Your people are your most valuable asset. asset. But what's the most extraordinary thing that you can do to make an impact in the lives of your coworkers, the impact in the lives of the customers, as well as to the community? Because it's about all of the people. It's not just about some of the people. And most of you are always thinking about the business. You're transactional. Transactional companies are, are struggling nowadays. You need to become transformational in the lives and community in which you work. Is there passion, energy, and fun, fun and celebration within your organization? If I'm gonna spend at least 50% of my life, okay, and I'm talking about the, the coworkers spending 50% of their life doing something. I know you all spend a lot more of your life doing this, but if you're gonna spend, if they're gonna spend 50% of their life doing something, should it be rewarding, fulfilling? Tony Robbins says success without fulfillment is the ultimate failure. You know, today's society, today's generation, my kids that are in their 20s, they're learning things now that I, I had to get to about 40, 50 years old before, you know, before I learned were even exposed to, right? I mean, I didn't get a cell phone until I was probably 31. I think my kids got them when they were 12, right? And so there's a doubling of information every few years Technology is, is doubling within record time frames. And so this whole world of how we go ahead and access opportunity and create opportunity and convert people into opportunity has changed from what you probably know from when you started your business. Awesome content right there. As always, be sure to share this on Facebook. And if you're not a member, click the button below to get a 30-day free trial, give you access to all of our amazing content. Well, that's our show for this week, folks. We'll see you soon. Until then, bye-bye for now.